Welcome everybody to the Big Book Roundtable in the RICO 12 family of recovery resources. I'm Justin B and I'm grateful to be the host of this roundtable, being able to sit around this virtual table with David G and Nikki M. We're excited to go continue this march through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We'll be reading in Bill's story today. But uh, first, I'd like to introduce our our guests, Nikki and David here real quick. Nikki, introduce yourself. Tell us why you are in the rooms of recovery. Hi, everybody. I'm Nikki M. And I'm a grateful member of so many fellowships. I came in through the rooms of Al-Anon because I thought everyone else had a problem. But little did I know that I'm the one with the problem. And so what makes me qualified to even be here at this table is if when I honestly want to stop Stop what, Nikki M? Well, stop my crazy thinking, my addictions, my behaviors, and I can't, and I can't control the amount of anything I take. I'm an addict, and I deserve a seat at this table. Thank you. And we're glad you're at this table. David, introduce yourself and tell us what uh, what brings you into the rooms. <clears throat> hey, everybody. My name is David G, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict of many sorts, and grateful to have been in these rooms for almost 30 years now, and I came in the beginning because I had to. I'm here today because I want to. Uh, I found a power greater than self, and uh, that power has done the miraculous. Not only am I sober, only am I not drinking. I don't even want to drink today. The same way with acting out, eating, whatever it may be. The fact that I haven't done that is a wonderful blessing in my life, but the, the real miracle is I haven't even wanted to do that today. I haven't even thought about it. And so... I love the uh, the connection that I have with God today and, and where that's taking me. I'm growing deeper into my spiritual walk with other things that I'm doing. But, all you know, I can add anything I want to this. I just can't ever take anything away from this because this is what's brought me to where I'm at today. Thank you. Thank you, David. And I loved how you shared that. I really identify with, uh, for me, I came into the rooms because I guess I had to, I did not want to, I tried everything else in order to avoid it. And, and now I remain to pray. I remain because I want to be here. It's the, the miracles, the strength, the connection is so much greater than anything I ever experienced beforehand. So I'm grateful to be in these rooms here. I'm grateful to be in this room with you too. Today, we're going to continue our reading in Bill's story, starting on page six. The bottom full paragraph that starts with the mind and body, and we will be reading through uh, a little bit below halfway down page seven of the fourth edition of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the paragraph that ends with, surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. And so everybody out there, grab your big books, the fourth edition, well, grab your big books, follow along, uh, make notes, highlight, let's dig into this and dive deeper into the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Here we go with the reading. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms, for mine endured this agony two more years. Sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse when the morning terror and madness were on me. Again, I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weakling. There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish I feared I would burst through my window sash and all. Somehow I managed to drag my mattress to a lower floor lest I suddenly leap. A doctor came with a heavy sedative. Next day found me drinking both gin and sedative. 
This combination soon landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity. So did I. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. My brother-in-law is a physician, and through his kindness and that of my mother, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Under the so-called belladonna treatment, my brain cleared. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise helped much. Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that, though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill, bodily and mentally. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combat combating liquor, though it often remains strong in other respects. My incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained. Understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. For three or four months, the goose hung high. I went to town regularly and even made a little money. Surely, this was the answer. Self-knowledge. I'm excited to dig into this one here. Nikki, um, as we read through that, what were some of the phrases and ideas that jumped out at you as things that we'd like to comment on and, and look into deeper? All right, Justin, thank you for that beautiful reading. It's just so great to hear it. And um, I'm Bill W. That's always what I read. Last episode, we were talking about some things. And I love this first line. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. I mean, that that's facts. And, you know, my line now says, I have to sweep away my old beliefs. That's what's asked of me when I come in here. You know, I'm... I. I, I I don't realize how powerful this mind is. It's so powerful. And this book reminds me of it. And then when it talks about the terror and the madness, that's me, the insanity, you know, cursing myself for being weak, self-loathing. That's me. I hate myself in addiction. I hate myself. And then, of course, sought escape. And I don't care what you do to blot out your consciousness. Um, I'll, I'll seek escaping from my reality in every different form. And when you read up here where it says, you know, he's he's now doing um, sedatives and I, I, I could, you know, I, I'm not an alcoholic. I, I could take it or leave it. When I got pregnant, I didn't need to ever touch crystal meth again. But then I get into the grip of a progressive illness, switching, switching addictions. Then I pick up men. Then I pick up money. Then I pick up all these other crazy things that um, I'm just the walking dead. And people do fear for my sanity. And you know what? People fear me. People fear me because I'm a hardcore sex and love addict. And you maybe you've heard me or haven't heard me. I boil cell phones when you don't do what I say. And if you have bunnies, I'll do that too. I get real, real twisted. And I my line out, people fear for my This is a family disease. Everyone who suffers the disease of alcoholism or knows somebody who does has a place here. I don't want to say should has a place here. You know, I don't want to, I don't like that word. And then just here, it just talks about the hand of God always working in God's in, in Bill's life. It's like his brother-in-law is there to help him out and show him kindness. His mother's there. That's me all along through the way, Justin, I had angels, David, all around me, all along through my addiction, I'm always having angels. Somehow God's always there. And you can see it with Bill W., his brother-in-law, his mother, getting into rehab. But again here, where it's understanding of myself, 
armed with the facts. When I, I was, I always, when you read this last line, it's like, it's not comedy hour. This is the answer. Self-knowledge. I mean, we've been here long enough. The newcomer might think that's true, but we all know that is a, a bunch of malarkey. That is comedy hour. I am so smart, as are you and everyone out there listening. Self-knowledge. I, I No, does not work. I know a lot about addiction. But what I, what I can tell you here is that, um, you know, my doctors will tell me all these things. They'll tell me all these things about me. And I can't wait to hear what David has to say. I don't know that Belladonna treatment. He's, he's going to tell us about that stuff. He's our historian here. Hydrotherapy, exercise, all these things. But a spiritual mode of living is the most powerful health restorative we'll read later in the book. So I'm Bill W. This is all happening to me in 2020, you know, whenever it was uh, the later years of my life. It's, it's me. That's what I can say. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, yeah. I, I love how you always or often come back to, I am Bill W. Very good. David, tell us a little bit about some of the things that we can dive deeper into in this reading from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Nikki, for a wonderful share as always. God, I love reading this book with you guys and it's my medicine. I just love it. And uh, notice what Bill says here, the mind and body. And Nikki really, really hit on this. Our marvelous mechanisms. It's a mechanic. My, my mind's like a marvelous mechanic. But it's a thief and it's a liar at this point. You know, I've had no transformation yet. So he says, for mine, endure this agony two more years. See, he's not talking about drinking here. He's talking about the madness within the mind that goes on. Of course, drinking follows. Don't get me wrong. We've got to do something to medicate that. Lust drinking, drugs, food, whatever it may be. So Bill's going to have two more years of this. And uh, so he says, sometimes, not always, but sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse when the morning terror and madness were on me. Now, he ain't only talking about craving a drink here. He's talking about that morning terror and madness that the mind brings. And if you're like me, you understand what he's talking about here on those days. And so notice how, uh, how he... Uh, he fears himself a weakling. He says, I sway dizzily before an open window or a medicine cabinet where there's poison, cursing myself for being a weakling. And that's what my mind tells me. You're weak. You're no good. You're worthless. You know, you're useless. You're broken. All of these things. And and then like him, you know, there's flights from city to country and back as we sought escape. Escape from what? The bottle? No. No. If you want to escape from the bottle, stay away. Don't go near. Don't pick up whatever. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the mind, and this is something like Nikki said is very powerful and will take us out even sober. There better be a power greater than self. There better be. And so he says, and he talks about it again. The night comes when the physical and mental torture is so hellish. I fear I'll jump, you know, burst through the window, sash and all. And uh, so he drags the mattress down to the lower floor, afraid that he might jump out. And a doctor comes with headed sedative. And this is me. Next day, I'm doing both gin and the sedative. That's kind of how I am. You know, if one is good, a thousand is a lot better. And so, but that combination lines him on the rock, rocks. He says, people fear for my sanity. You know, he, he can barely eat and he's 40 pounds underweight. I can remember in 1984 being 40 pounds underweight and I'm a pretty good sized guy, pretty tall, uh, 40 pounds underweight. It is not good, but that's kind of the physical part 
of a mental condition. Uh, so my brother-in-law, he says, is a physician. Now, this is a man by the name of Dr. Leonard Strong. And Leonard was his, and notice on, where was that? On the bottom of uh, page uh, four there just a little bit ago, Bill talked about he had went to live with his wife's parents and the mother-in-law died. So this man's mother is dead now. And here's Bill all drunk and out of shape and not being very kind to his sister. So you can imagine the effect of Bill's alcoholism is having on this man. And this man isn't even, you know, connected to Bill other than through the love of his sister. So I like to kind of read between the lines on that. But but he says through his kindness, it's hard to be kind to somebody that's been that way to my sister, probably to my mother or anyone else. You know, I mean, today that would serve for a severe good reason for me to put a beating on somebody, you know. But um, this man gets with Bill's mother and they place him in the town's hospital. That's the nationally known hospital for mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. And Mickey or Nikki had um, mentioned the uh, Belladonna treatment. Bill says his brain cleared. So that's what they done with it. You know, that's a, that's a mix of sugar and water and different things to really help your system kind of recharge and to, and to boot itself back up again in the hydrotherapy and mild exercise, you know, all of this stuff is wonderful and it's helpful, but that's still not, that's not going to be enough to heal us here. We have to have this relationship with a power greater in ourselves. Now, this is the very first time in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous where he meets Dr. Silkworth. He says, best of all, I met a kind doctor. And this is Silky, who explained, though, through certain selfish and foolish I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. So this is the first time that anybody had ever talked to Bill about being ill physically. Most of us come in here. We don't need to read a book or talk to a doctor to know that there's something wrong with our head. But we really don't understand the physical allergy, the physical part of this deal. And the big book says until we do that, the picture of the alcoholics incomplete, I'll probably never recover. And so when I work with new guys, I always, always take them to that part of the book and show them that there's something going on that once I buy into that thought and take action based on it, something happens on the inside of me that doesn't want to let that go until I'm drunk, sick, and in all kinds of trouble. So Bill says it relieved me somewhat, not all the way, but somewhat to learn that in alcoholic, the, the will is amazingly weakened. So he's beginning to see now that whenever it comes to combating liquor, <laughs> No, willpower is not going to be enough to do this. It's strange, though, because like he says here, it often remains strong in other respects. I know in my life was good in just about every area except for lust through the years. I'd worked the program, worked the steps, had a spiritual experience. Things were wonderful, but lust was beating me to death, and I just could not get on the other side of that. Although my experience in my life was strong in other respects, in that area, it was very weak. And so, but here's Bill, look how self comes back. Always, always. So my incredible behavior in the face of the desperate desire to stop, that's usually where we're at in step one, was explained. Oh, I got explanation now. I've got a little intellect on this deal. So yeah, okay, I'm able to overcome this now that I understand. And he says, understanding myself now, good luck with that. I fare forth in high hope for three or four months. The goose hung high. He's sober. He's doing well. He's going to town. He's making a little money. So this is the first time that he sobers up, and it's on self-knowledge. We're going to see that fear will be next. 
but he sobers up on self-knowledge. And this is the first time he sobers up. And as we're going to see coming up, self-knowledge is not enough. It's wonderful to have, but I'm more interested in knowledge of self because that's what's killing me. So thank you for letting me share today. Thanks, David. And I think one of the things that I, uh, and this is probably my takeaway, but, um, you know, I think that when I finally came to the point where I understood that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally and spiritually. Um, and that did relieve me initially. I didn't want to admit that at all. I didn't think that that could relieve me in any way, shape or form, um, from the suffering that I had from the, 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 mental piece. I just thought, no, I, I can't be broken. If I'm broken, then I'm broken. Well, now I, now I realize I can't, I can't not be broken because if I'm not broken, I can't be fixed. If I'm broken, I can be put back together and be maintained. And that's a, a beautiful freedom that I've learned through this process. All right. So let's, let's go back in here and, and just do a quick, uh, I've got a couple of questions for you. Nikki, I've got a question here about these different treatments. You know, you mentioned, hey, I want to learn about what the belladonna treatment is, hydrotherapy, so on and so forth. These are, I mean, and David explained a little bit about that, but tell me some of the things that you tried that, you know, I think in in your, the program that you work that you often call them logs. Tell me some of those logs that you've tried or you've seen tried that, uh, you know, may be good on the surface, but they are not the solution. Okay, that's a great question. And I just did it twice because I did two step ones today. And and the analogy of logs is what you what you talked about, where we say addicts are like drowning men and women, and we need to keep some way above the water. And so we'll grab a, a log. And you know, logs are slippery and you can slip off of them. And I live in Toronto, Canada, close to Niagara Falls. So what happens when you get close to the falls? Is that log going to hold you up? No, you're right over. Exactly. And so, you know, I've tried everything. These are really human aids is what they're talking about here, this exercise. So what have I used to try? Well, I moved, you know, when I had my baby at 18, as I said, I could stop using alcohol and drugs. And then I moved because he, baby daddy, number one was eating my soul. So I come to Toronto because I couldn't get a one-way ticket to Mars. Well, my problems followed me to Toronto, you know, and then willpower doesn't work. As we talked about, I think it was last episode, the sweet promises controlled, you know, I'll only have a kiss. We won't go to bed. Well, that lasts about a second. Uh, ominous warnings, you name it. Um, oh, here's a wonderful human aid. I had a girl and then I was having my 30th birthday. She was 12 and I was like, oh, I need a husband. I'm 30 and I need, you know, what? I need a son. I really need a son. And you know how powerful God is? Oh, I got a son and I got a man and I didn't want either of them at his year's birthday, you know, I didn't want either of them. That That's a log that kept me temporarily sober, free of my obsessive um, acting out behaviors for one year. And then when my boobs were leaking, cause I'm the mother who feeds the baby and daddy calls me and says, come home. I'm saying I'm with, I, I can't, I'm, I'm with my drug of non-choice. Does it matter what it is if I'm at the bar drinking or if I'm somewhere else at someone's house? I got a pet, you know, my four pound top pocket dog that my mom bought me when I couldn't get us. How about knowing the big book that won't keep me sober? How about my sponsor who has a life when I call him and he's out enjoying life? But I, I, I what's going to happen? I mean, you name it. 
Nothing will keep me sober permanently. See, these are all, as, as David said, and as we know, Justin, these are temporary solutions. I need a permanent solution to keep me abstinent from my crazy thinking. See, in my book, it says to think is to die. So what do you think about, Nikki? I think about how, what was it in here? Let me just get to it. I think about how my mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. I think about how I'm an intelligent agent spearhead. I think about how much the guys at the round table love me and have showed me that men can come through and do come through. So I'm beyond human aid. I've tried everything. And people, if you think you're going to move to another country, trust me, I moved from California, Orange County. Sun, sea, and sand aren't everything. Your problems fall you right to Toronto, Canada, where Justin, in the middle of winter, it's minus 32 degrees Celsius, okay? And I'm still happy, joyous, and free because I know that I only have one permanent solution, and that's God. My big book won't even help me in those moments. When your plane gets canceled, what do you need, Justin? You need God. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Nikki. And David, I want to I want to sit on this for just a little bit more and ask you about it and 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 any other insights you have. But, you know, geographic cures. Nikki talked about, "Hey, I moved from California to Toronto to try and escape my issues." What are some um maybe examples or uh insights into geographic cures that uh that maybe you've tried, you've seen tried and how come they didn't work? Yeah, absolutely, Justin. Um, I've tried just about every one that I can think of. You know, I have moved from Oklahoma to Indiana to New York to Florida to California. I mean, for God's sake, I woke up in a blackout in Arizona one time. I'd started in Oklahoma City that night at a strip club. And it was just, you know, I came out of a blackout and there I am. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, I've never even heard of uh, I-10 or whatever it is. You know, <laughs> where am I? And so... I feel that the reason that they do not work is because wherever I go, there I am. And, you know, self, you know, I've had no awakening from that. Even, you know, during the times that I was sober, I ran from job to job. I've done all these other things, you know, seeking, looking until I finally came to the conclusion that it says at the end of we agnostics, when we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. I don't need to run to that anymore all i need to do is draw near to him through this process as outlined in the big book with someone who has recovered from a hopeless state of mind and this power will disclose itself to us that is the only thing that is going to work for me geographic cure changes all of that different stuff i've tried that if it would have worked uh you know i'd be somewhere else other than here today but I'm sure glad that it didn't because this has been the greatest miracle of my life by far. So thank you, Justin. Thank you, Nikki. And thank you, David. I love that analogy of, of the geographic cure to the draw near to him. And he discloses more to me. What a beautiful, I, I haven't seen it that way before. Thank you for sharing that. Let's go um, and just do a real quick wrap up on takeaways and insights. Nikki, what's a takeaway for you today from our reading and discussion here? Well, as David took us to page 57, you know, in, in there it says, God restored us all to our right minds. You know, that's what this is about right now. It's like Bill was restored to his right mind, both of you and myself, daily reprieve, of course. You know, we're, we're all armed with the facts that we, 
We can't go anywhere and we don't want to go anywhere. That's what I heard you two say too. Nikki, I want to be here. And I want to be here too because this is a, you know, my new slogan, this is a lifestyle for a lifetime. And I've never had it so good. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. David, how about you? Takeaway for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on page seven there, where you ended, self-knowledge. You know, I, I just always want to remember that as much as I learn about this is a wonderful thing, it definitely has a place. But this is not going to bring the awakening from self. You know, that must come through the actions taken as outlined in this big book. And so I'd said it earlier, knowledge of self is more important to me. But even after I gain knowledge of self, and I understand what my problem is, and it's defeating me now, when I'm in step 10 and I'm practicing that the way that the big book outlines, I need to always remember that I'm to turn my thoughts. See, I'm turning from self when those thoughts hit. There's another book I read that says, think on these things. Think about love, honesty, purity. See, these are the things that I need to think of. I, I, when I first awakened from self, that's all I wanted to talk about was self, 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 all the time. You'll hear a lot of my tapes out there where I'm talking a lot about self. I don't want to talk about self so much anymore. I want to talk that I identify what self is and that's not who I am today. I want to talk about a power greater than me and the spirit within. And I want to think on those things because when I do, then self has no power in my life. So it's wonderful to be here as always and, uh, and really good to see you guys. Thanks. Thank you, David. Uh, and such good stuff. And, and I'm, I'm going to go back to what my takeaway that I mentioned earlier. Um, all the geographic cures in my life, the things that I have tried to do different, new jobs, new places, new new homes, new this, new that, new exercise programs, new diets, new whatever it may be, um, they didn't work. But once I made that connection with a power greater than self, when I drew near to that power, that power drew near to me. And that is all the geographic change I needed. And that's just a geographic change of heart. And what a beautiful thing that is. Thank you so much for, for your insights, uh, Nikki, David. Thank you so much for sharing around this table with us. Um, to those of you out in the listening audience, if you'd like to learn more about David and Nikki and what they're doing, you can find some of the their, their projects in the show notes, find links to them, go check out uh, their stuff and uh, keep coming back. And I'm going to use a phrase that David used there. Think on the things that are most meaningful. Think on these things and do it as you are walking and trudging this happy road of destiny. Work it. You are worth it. 